Hey, Augie. Good morning, Nia. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Uh, I'm good. Uh, and uh, have you been working on the railroad all the live long day? <laughs> do you remember that song when we were kids? I, 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 I do <laughs> remember that song. Um, uh, and the reason why, uh, listeners, uh, Nia uh, asked me if I remember the lyrics of that song is that uh, we're going to do a in the news episode uh, about the recently averted railroad strike in the United States. And, uh, and I use the verb averted, avoided, uh, because when we initially thought about doing this episode, there was a really good chance that the railroad system in the United States was going to come to a screeching halt, Nia, because why? Strikes. Strikes. Well, actually, really, because of a breakdown in negotiations between the 456,000 unions that make up railroad workers <laughs> and the, ten, not that many. And the right. 10 trillion companies that <laughs> run railroads. It's actually, I think it's what, 12? Yeah, there 12, are 12, 12 really unions. large labor union or uh, unions representing railroad workers in the United States. And then there's a whole bunch of companies on the other side of the negotiating table, right? And so what what are the things that um, that would have caused this strike, I think, was the negotiations were breaking down, right? They'd get some people on board with some stuff, but not other people. And guess what, folks? All 12 have to agree on a yes. thing. You try to get 12 people to agree where to go to dinner you know, when you're out with friends, good luck with that. So, <laughs> so that did not seem like it was going very well. And this negotiation has been going on for a long time. I think it's been going on for more than a year. Yeah. Um, so uh, to, to, to give this context uh, for our listeners who, who might have seen, you know, news articles and flashes on their phones and computers, um, as far back as this summer, uh, the Biden administration got involved with trying to broker a deal between the railroad companies and the 12 largest unions representing railroad workers. There were a number of issues, but one of the most significant issues, um, which um, uh, was the following, um, scheduling policies, okay? Rail workers um, uh, were complaining that railroad companies, okay, were not allowing them to take time off for personal activities, major life, life milestone events like wedding anniversaries, funerals, birthday parties, but more problematically, sick time, okay? Right. Uh, was the huge one. Right. Um, and some of the companies were actually saying to railroad workers, if you don't show up to work, OK, you may not have a job when you return. All right. Um, so as recently as the week of Thanksgiving, um, five of the 12 unions were threatening to go on strike. OK. Um, and well, imagine if you were on call 24-7, yes. which is basically what we were asking these folks to do, right? You can never be sick. You can never be out. 
if we need you, we need you, then yeah, of course. I mean, after a while, that would be grueling and horrible on anyone. Anyone would say, well, then you need to pay me $10,000 an hour because this is exhausting, right? Like, this is making yeah. me old before my time. Yeah, and and the reason why, Nia, the, the Biden administration was involved, okay, um, was um, uh, if the railroad workers went on strike and the railroad shut down, it would have had a huge impact on the nation's economy, okay? Yeah, I, I was going to ask you how much, what's the... What's the percentage of stuff transported by railroad? Uh, over, over 16% of all goods sold in the United States are shipped via railroads. That's okay. huge. Okay. That's a huge amount of stuff. And the percentage goes up for imported goods. And in, 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 in Nia, ah, cut, Nia, getting Nia them cut, from the coasts. To yeah, the so, middle yeah, of the country. So, yeah, you know, uh, I, I hope not to get too involved with my uh, uh, explanation of this, but for listeners, a good way to think about this is let's say uh, an automobile is made in Japan and is shipped by boat to the United States. And doesn't fall off the boat. It doesn't fall off the boat. Which apparently happens. Okay, sometimes <laughs> it happens. Um, but more than likely, it will. Uh, arrive in the port of Los Angeles. Right. Okay. Or the port of Long Beach, which is right okay. next door. Right next door. Two of the Big. largest. Yeah. Two of the largest ports in the United States. At that point, okay, it will more than likely first be shipped in the United States via railroad car before it gets. Right. Because to... that car is being sold in Kansas. Yes. You put it okay. on a railroad car, it goes to Kansas, and then in Kansas, a guy gets it off the railroad onto a truck, truck. and delivers it the last 10 miles to, to the dealership. Do the, to the dealership, okay? Where you go in and say, aha, it's right here on the lot, like magic, and you drive it home and it immediately depreciates. But that's... Okay. But, but in particular, the timing of this strike would have been horrendous, Right. Oh, right because, here before Christmas. Yes. So you're talking about Christmas merchandise. So that's the seasonal, right? But what I also came to find out with my research, Nia, is things like coal, which is essential for winter heating still in various parts of the United States, almost all of that gets transported, at least initially, from the mines on railroad cars. And I see this. Because near my house, when I'm driving to work, I cross over, okay, railroad lines. And quite a few mornings, I actually see railroad cars full of coal. coal. Okay. Well, and you never see a truck full of coal. Yeah. So that right? is the way that you get it from one place to another. Coal is dirty. Yes. It's, it's um, dusty and it's hard to transport. It's easier for them to put it in a, in a train. Yes. And send it in this open top cars, right, where they send it off yeah. to various. And if you think power companies don't run on coal, you silly, oh. silly person, you should rethink that because they do. A lot of power companies 
use coal as part of their electrical generation. Yeah, so even though we've been weaning off the use of coal, okay, it is- We're still, not there yet. Yeah, we're not there yet. Overall, Ask West Virginia. Yeah. <laughs> Overall, Nia, the impact per day, okay, it was estimated by industry groups and even the Biden administration to be roughly $2 billion a day. That would have been billion. billion. With a yes. Okay. And if you think inflation was is bad now, <laughs> okay. Yeah, that would be that would be pretty awful if we were just burning $2 billion a day. Now, so it, it was so that meant that there was some real pressure to yes. deal with this, right? Like okay. if you're talking about it, this yes. huge economic effect, then you have some real pressure to, okay, well, we got to get this in line then. Okay, so next question, and I got asked this with some regularity was, well, why did the Biden administration just not like step in and say X is going to happen? Well, because the Biden administration one, doesn't have the authority in the Constitution, but two, doesn't have the authority in law, okay? The applicable- Wouldn't that be essentially nationalizing the railroad lines? Ah, very good, right? So under the Railway Labor Act of 1926, which was amended in 1934 and 1936, okay? Um, uh, uh, Labor disputes in regards to railroads, okay, um, are supposed to be enforced by the Federal Board of Mediation, all right? Um, the act does not authorize the president to take over and keep open either the rail railway or airline industries, okay? It does allow the president to participate via the Board of Mediation, okay, uh, uh, whose members are actually appointed uh, by presidents, okay? <laughs> um, but um, technically, the only way to solve this dispute, if ownership, if owners and labor cannot come to agreement, is Congress doing what, Nia? I'm assuming passing something that says, and this shall be the way that this is handled. And that is correct. And that's Nia, Wait. what in, in Nia, that's based on what constitutional authority? I'm assuming, since it's your favorite, it's the Commerce Clause. <laughs> and it, it makes is. sense in this particular instance, it makes sense $2 billion a day at stake. Oh. That's some serious commerce right there. Like, yeah, yeah you, and it's and it's across state lines. I mean, it's clearly. It, yeah. yeah. I, normally, I would say I would fuss with you and say I'm not sure that that really falls under commerce. This clearly falls under commerce. Yes. But what I think is interesting is, I know that there were people who were saying, well, due to them, what you did to the, to the air traffic controllers, just fire wow. them all, and then hire more people to do the job and get the trains moving again. But. but Part of that, right, is that weren't weren't air traffic controllers federal employees to start with? They are. They were technically employees of the FAA, the Federal Aviation Administration. And there's rules about whether federal and government employees can strike or not, right? Like That's there's right. rules about that. 
Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that's part of why they couldn't just say, well, fine, then we'll just find a whole bunch of other conductors and folks to do whatever. Yeah. I got asked that question quite a bit too, Nee. And I'm like, guys, fundamental difference. Okay. Air Federal employee versus private employee. Yeah. Public versus private. And public employees only get the right to strike if the legislative body in their jurisdiction give them the legal authority to do so. All right. Okay. Because again, public employees, many of which are doing essential jobs, right? Can't we, just wander off the job to do whatever, even yeah. if they have good reason to strike. Yeah. Even if they have like really poor labor conditions, they're not allowed to do that. We can't run an airline industry without air traffic controllers. Right. <laughs> we can, right. but it won't it won't last very oh, long. It will get messy. <laughs> It'll get messy quick. Okay. Um, so excuse me. So so that puts Congress. Biden that puts Biden in a pretty terrible position, right? Because he oh, he could terrible. theoretically nationalize the 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 railroads, but then we're no longer the United States. We're Venezuela. Yeah. Like we yeah, run into the problems of democracy. Like you can't say that you, you can't claim being the world's premier capitalist. Capitalist. Yeah. And then just nationalize something when it's not going well. Like that. Yeah. Right. That, Isn't that the other question is why don't you just nationalize the yeah, the railroad it, lines, and the answer to that is, oh my goodness, because then we're not really a democracy in the way we think of democracy. Well, we're not a capitalist democracy, and so I mean, in in Nia, you know, your point really captured the uh, the the rock, the the proverbial rock and hard spot that the Biden administration was in. On one hand, you know, Joe Biden has said. And I'm not being sarcastic when I say this. The Biden administration has claimed it is, it is, and will be the most, you know, uh, pro-union presidential administration in decades. Right. On and Joe himself, Joe Biden, I, Joe, like I'm his friend. Um, President Biden himself has suggested that he is the Amtrak president, right? Because he used to. Yes. He used to ride back and forth on the Amtrak every day from where he was living to D.C. And because yes. he had to take care of small children after his wife died. Right? So. Like he's especially tied to railroads Railroad. and the railroad unions and the whole, you know. On the other hand, OK. He's you can't you can't let two billion dollars of of of. Of good of economic stuff not happen every yeah. day in the United States. States, right? I mean, the, you know, the, 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 that would have irreparable harm to the economy. Yeah, right catastrophic before, effect. Yeah, right before, you know, Christmas. Well, right? and winter, yes. right? If you're talking about winter clothing and you're talking about coal for heating and you're talking about, like, the carry-on effects of that are enormous. So, yeah, he's standing, standing there between Scylla and Charybdis, you know, trying to figure out what to do. And um, and we don't know what kind of political impact that's going to have. But again, uh, listeners, at the time of the recording, um, you know, less than a week before, the United States Congress passed a law 
and President Biden signed it or passed a bill and President Biden signed it into law um, that basically imposed the deal that was negotiated in September, which means that these five large labor unions, okay, in the railroad industry are basically forced to accept a deal that they didn't like, okay? Um, yeah, but they weren't going to get a good deal anyway. Like, <laughs> isn't it true that right now <laughs> there was some real question about what they were going to, like Congress was not going to let this go. They were not going to let a strike start because no, that is $2 billion a day, right? That's going to hurt every single member of Congress. They were going to do something. So maybe taking what you could get in a decent negotiation with Congress and then trying to work on more, uh, I don't know. Is that is that where they came down? Well, I mean, I mean, as, as we both pointed out earlier in this episode, Nia, I mean, uh, as far as these, you know, five unions um, uh, are concerned, uh, the uh, the the deal that was negotiated that's now actually codified into law still does not address their primary concern. You know, a point, right. a point system, okay, in regards to time off, okay, that gives them very little time off, okay, um, and it's affecting their physical and mental health. Um, if we're so essential to the nation's economy, um, why aren't you all concerned about our physical and mental health? Right. But you why are don't you right. give us paid sick leave? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what they were thinking. I, I know what they were thinking. But if they thought the United States Congress was not going to step in and avert a railroad railway strike um, the month before Christmas, um, <laughs> I mean, come on. Um, and again, you know, unless they're willing to politically punish, you know, the president and members of Congress in upcoming elections, um, uh, I mean, they had to know that President Biden was not going to allow an, another period of supply supply chain shortages. To occur, I mean, he doesn't want to. He doesn't want to run for re-election if he runs for re-election in 2024 by saying, "Hey, I'm the inflation president." Right. Okay. I mean, he, he you know, so he was going to go ahead and take steps to make sure that we didn't have another repeat of what he encountered his first three, four months on the job, which is he takes office. And all the supply chain shortages of the pandemic basically just hit all at once. Okay. I mean, he just wasn't going to let that happen. Right. Okay. You know, even if he is well, and very on his sympathetic watch, he's really, he's really going to let $2 billion a day fall out of the economy. I mean, like, no. he's just not. He's just no, not. he's not going to, right? And in fairness to him as president, what he's doing is sacrificing the few for the many. Yes. Which is not an uncommon risk management technique. Yes. In in government is to say, okay, how many people will this hurt? 
but how many people will it help? And then make that, I mean, and corporations do that all the time. But in terms of historical narrative, this is yet one more time where railroad, railroad workers, okay, got the shaft. Right. I mean, this is this is an industry that was built, okay, on uh, the backs of of labor, many of whom were um, immigrants, non-U.S. citizens. Many oh, died. Okay. Yeah, in the first railroad across the United States, Chinese workers were brought in, allowed in, allowed in, slash brought in, yes, to do the work, died doing the work, and weren't given citizenship afterwards and then right like it started screwing from the beginning and just okay and then later on the united states actually passed immigration laws that allowed no um uh uh, chinese nationals to come into the country right known as the chinese exclusion policy but once the railroads were built yeah once the railroads were built okay labor was mistreated okay well Uh, and now they're they they're on call all the time they have these Conditions where they work physically very hard for yes what 10, 12 hours a day sometimes, and they're yes. on like three or four days in a row. Then they get a day off, and they're on three or four days in a row. We're talking about a lot of backbreaking labor, and many of them have to travel a half hour, forty five minutes, an hour. Okay, um, and if they're sent to a remote location, their per diems are not uh, large enough to cover hotel rooms and meals. Um, so they might actually lose money if they have to go on the road to, you know, fix a line or to repair a switch, okay, et cetera. Right. Um, Remember, listeners, that the vast majority of railroad tracks in this country are not where people are. Correct. They are not where easily, they are not easily gotten to. Yes. Right. You have to go off roading to get to some of them because that's the whole point of having a railroad system is that it's 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 between cities. It's between centers of population. And when they enter. Densely populated areas because of safety concerns, OK, um, the tracks are usually, you know, outside of population areas within urban areas. Because again, a lot of the goods that are shipped versus uh, are, are on rail lines, okay, um, can be hazardous if there is right. a train if there is a train derailment. Right. right. We don't want this thing to explode with this much, you know, methane TNT gas or whatever. Or, right. Yeah, yeah. You know, et cetera, et cetera. So right. you know, to get to those tracks is extremely difficult. Um, so, I mean, uh, so we, as you can tell, Augie and I have a lot of sympathy for the railroad workers, um, because the intensity of their work and their lack of, I mean, I personally think they should get paid sick time, right? Like, sure. I don't think we should, I I don't think we should use people's bodies in their labor and not compensate them for that in some way. Like that's, yeah. So it, it, they do it, need to come back and fix this negotiation. Like they need to come back and say, okay, now that we're past, I don't know, whatever this crisis point is, we need to sit down with all the companies and y'all need to make some decisions about how we're going to improve the lives of these workers. This needs to not be a thing 
that only comes up when they threaten to strike. Yeah, you know, making policy by crisis is is usually not the best way to make policy. Right. And, you know, the percentage of goods in the United States that are shipped via railroads has not shrunk. It's it's basically remained fairly constant over the last roughly two to three decades. So we know this industry is essential to the American economy. So, you know, not addressing this long-term um, does not strike me as good public policy, right? And if you're an environmentalist and you wanna see more light rail, you need to address this because light rail and heavy rail share the same lines. Yes. So Amtrak yes. was looking at shutdowns because the lines were going to be shut down because guess what? When you stop trains from moving, they got to be parked somewhere. And yes. there's only so many space in the rail yards. And then you would have trains just out on lines yes. waiting to be moved again. There would be no way for Amtrak to get through even if they were still running. And now because, you're looking and at also the, Amtrak rents lines from private yeah, they, groups that have paid for them and built and, them and, and, and by them. law passed by Congress, Amtrak gets first dibs because during you know peak hours. Right. Okay. But now you're talking about the trickle-down effects. Right. Right. Because a lot of people, particularly in the heavily populated northeast region of the country travel to work on Amtrak. Right, via train. So if they can't travel to work, or now they're getting in their automobiles, okay? Now they have more cars on the road, more smog, more, yeah. so, more it, gas prices going up because more usage. I mean, there's a whole lot of carry-on effects. So do you think that they'll come back and negotiate more? Um, oh, that's hard. Uh, that's hard to predict, Nia. I mean, because um, uh, I, I really thought that um, uh, the, the five unions would have accepted the deal that was negotiated. Uh, but um, again, Congress is so closely divided. And with the one house controlled by the Republicans and the other controlled by the Democrats, I don't know if this is an issue that's going to motivate them to actually work together. I would, okay. I would hope that it does. I mean, again, this is 16% of the nation's economy, $2 billion a day, right? right? Okay. So how long does this act last? I think it's uh, the standard labor agreement uh, act. So it's like for three years. Okay. So, yeah. So we have just basically taken this can, picked it up, and kicked it. Yes, in the finest United States Congress tradition. <laughs> I'll let that be someone else's problem. Um, okay. I, I can get reelected in 2024, and then we can deal with this in 2025. Um, <laughs> so, yep. Okay. So we'll be hearing about this again then. Oh, sure we will. I mean, because again, and these are such important um, uh, work-life issues for these workers, right? I mean, you're going to miss a wedding anniversary. You know, you're going to miss, you know, your your 
your child's high school or college graduation, you're going to put off going to the doctor, okay, for that, you know, persistent, you know, ache in your back, okay? Yeah. Uh, I mean, at some point in time, at some point in time, this has got to get addressed. Okay. I know I personally, and I, I know we want to keep this relatively short, so I won't go on at length, but I personally think paid sick leave should be a thing that every single person in the country has at their job, because I don't want you to come to work sick. Yeah. I don't want you to make me sick or our patrons sick or, you know what I mean? Like, it's a self-preservation thing. My boss is excellent about saying, oh, if you're sick, don't come here. Don't bring it here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Stay at home, right? And we should, I mean, I personally think that that's a dignity that every person who works in the United States should have. And I know that there are limits to where, to how you can do that with hourly employees, but these people aren't hourly employees. They're salaried employees. Like Many of them are. Engineers, conductors, et cetera. That, that there's, it, it's crazy that they don't have paid sick leave. In the, another point to add to that, there are there is voluminous human resource management scholarship that shows that when people come to work sick, their productivity is less. Right. So you're paying them to come to work, but and you're not, not work very well. They're not working very well. And then so, they're going to make other people sick who aren't going to work very well. Very like, well. Okay. So, I mean, from a, you know, from a management perspective, okay, do I want hypochondriacs, okay, who are <laughs> always looking for excuses not to come to work? No. But if we got, if we've hired good people who do good work, but then they get sick and we're not going to get the kind of productivity I want them to go ahead and go to a doctor and find out how they can get better so they can come back and do what? Really Be good. More productive. Right. Okay. I mean, I mean, from a simple productivity standpoint, you either. It's good business. It's good business. Right. Yeah. Okay. And, and, and from a humanity point, it's good business. Good business. Right. right? Yes. It happens to be one of those things that's good business yeah. on both sides. Yes. Um, you know, it's a package that you can sell to people easier to get them to do jobs that aren't particularly ones that a lot of people want to do. Right? That's right. Yeah. So anyways, Nia. Uh, okay. Thanks. Well, in three years, we'll talk about it again. <laughs> I hope not. I hope not. I hope not. All right. Thanks, Augie. All right. Thanks, Nia. Bye. Bye.